You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning. This is Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 13th, episode 3203. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge... You're an endurance rider. Welcome back, everybody. It's that monthly visit to the endurance universe, the rider, the riding discipline with some of the most amazing bench adventures ever. Welcome back, Karen. Thank you. On this show, we're going to have adventures from Karen's most recent ride. Things are getting exciting again because now Apollo and Jovi her two newest horses are getting out there and doing rides. So, of course, crazy things are going to happen. And we're going to chat with a couple of other riders about their latest and greatest adventures in the endurance universe. And one of them is one of our auditors, Aaron. Woohoo! Hey! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, what have you been up to since we chatted last? Well, I went to the NASTAR ride at Washoe Lake or this Washoe last Lake. weekend. It's in northern Nevada in the West Region. And it's, they offer an intro ride, a 30, a 50, a 75. And the 70 is the second leg of the NASTAR Triple Crown. Uh, the first ride was the 50 at the Nevada Derby ride. And then it finishes with the Virginia City 100 in September. So quick question. The Triple Crown thing. Is this something that's been around for a long time or is this a relatively recent I'm going to call it a challenge. Yes, it's been around for decades, many decades. (laughs) It's been going on for a long, long, long time. Okay, continue. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so I took Apollo, my little, I call him Mr. Sensitive, because he's, as you know, he's Anglo-Arab. And so he can be a little sensitive about things. And so I thought, well, this is my opportunity to take him. My friend didn't want to ride 30 miles. Her knees just don't hold up quite that far. And um, as it turned out, that was probably a good thing because this ride does have quite a bit of elevation up and down. So I decided to take Apollo. He, um, this was his first event going by himself. Ooh, that offers its own unique challenges, doesn't it? It sure did. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So he did finally settle down in camp, but he was kind of hollering and bellowing for for a while. And, I hate and, being that person. <laughs> I would rather have them pawing, but, but when they scream, everybody looks at you. Oh. But we were kind of in our own spot. That was the thing. He couldn't really see any other horses because the, the camp is such a big area. So that was okay. We weren't bothering anybody. And he finally did settle down. And the good thing is, is you know, he ate really good. He drank really good and, and that sort of thing. You know, but even at the finish, after I vetted him, I was walking back to the trailer. He still was winning and stuff, <laughs> you know, looking for his buddy. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so that presented its own little issues. But, you know, it, what point? I mean, it was supposed to be heavy rains and possible thunder and lightning and winds. And I didn't want to be dealing with two horses and then at the ride dealing with the separation between the two horses. Yeah, because that's almost worse because when they, you, right. everybody knows this, whenever two horses travel together, it doesn't matter if they've never met before. The minute they're in the horse trailer together, they're, they're attached bud. to the hip. They're bonded. Uh huh. They're bros. Yeah, so, yeah, then you would have had uh-huh. that, uh, the, amount of screaming and fussing would would probably have increased considerably had he traveled with another horse. Now, when he travels, did he travel to the show alone in the horse trailer or did he have somebody else with him? Yes, he was alone. Uh-huh. So and when he if, got there, he he had he didn't have anybody to bond with in the horse trailer. But let me no. guess, the one you rode with during the ride became his instant fast friend. It, well, yes, that it did. Although we kept kind of like 
we wrote together quite a bit during the day off and on like we would separate here and there like there was times where I wanted him to walk more or whatnot or there were times where she let me get ahead and so we were kind of going back and forth we weren't completely together the entire time which is good because I want you know I want my horse to focus on me and pay attention to what I'm doing and go and get rated how I want to rate mm-hmm. you know my horse not mm-hmm. necessarily someone else's and of course we had our moments where if she was trotting downhill more than I wanted Apollo to where it's like you know I'm riding a a giraffe (laughs) with this long (laughs) neck going back and forth I want to go yeah so we had our moments and then Apollo has what it's like ADD where like he sightsees he's we're climbing up the mountain and he's looking around and then we come around a turn and all of a sudden he sees another horse on a different trail on a different side of the mountain and suddenly like goes, ah, <laughs> <laughs> where'd that come from? What's like, he doing over there? Why I, you can, looking... I can relate to all of these behaviors. Yeah, I can. Yeah, can you? Yes. Okay. So he did, he, he went up the side of the, the edge of the mountain where we're climbing spins around. And I don't know how I stayed on because I'm riding him on a loose rein and I barely was able, you know, to get him stopped and but I did, and I managed to stay on. Although I came really close to like landing right in a big sagebrush. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. like really because it's like he's not afraid of that. It just startled him because he wasn't paying attention. He, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I, and I some horses, and there's different sorts. Some horses fall into a little bit of a trance, and they're not paying attention, and then uh-huh. something startles them like that. And then there's other horses that, and I, I suspect Apollo is in this this group because a lot of the thoroughbreds I've had are that it's not that they're not paying attention; it's that there's they're they're trying to pay attention to a whole lot of stuff, <laughs> and uh-huh. that that movement, especially if it's another horse that moves. Because because Nigel will be that way. He's always very alert. He's that kind of horse that as I'm cruising through the trail, if he, his ears go up or his demeanor changes, there is something there. It doesn't matter if I can't right. see it or hear it or smell it. It's there, and eventually I will spot it. But he gets he finds it. He he sees everything. Three minutes yes. before I do. So, oh, they but do. In, uh-huh. in particular, creatures cause that more so. That if squirrels know, deer uh-huh. know, but if it's a human or a horse. It's high alert immediately. And if I'm moving along at a pace, it can be a little bit unsettling as far as the security in the saddle concerned. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, part of the trail we had was single track and it's narrow and you're winding, uh, wiggling around through a bunch of sagebrush. And you really need to watch where you're going or you're going to like T-bone yourself right into a sagebrush. <laughs> and of course, it's right next to where there's a highway with traffic and there's motorcycles and RVs and the whole thing. And so it's like, Apollo, you have to pay attention and look where you're going. And he would <laughs> rather watch the cars go by or whatever it is over there off to the side. That's you a thoroughbred for you. So, so yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when he pays attention, he's just fabulous. But then all of a sudden, you know, he'll be what he'll be looking at like a group of motorcycles. And then he turns his head and goes, oh, <laughs> I'm supposed to turn right here. Oops. And then like, I'm thinking he's going this way and he's thinking we're going that way. And, um, you know, you do that thing where you, <laughs> you're like just glad at the end that you both you know, stayed together. Yes, <laughs> so yes. We had a, we had a few of those moments. And then on Friday, I pre-rode him out towards the lake and um, there's like this big herd of wild horses of Mustangs. Really? And yes, there's like 20, 30 of them down there. And they, they migrate between down by the lake and up in the mountains. And of course, right now down by the lake, it's full of water and full of green grass so there, a lot of them are down by the lake, and one of the stallions came running towards us, and Yeesh. and of course I'm trotting along, everything's great, it's all peaceful and quiet, and of course Apollo, like you said, he knew as soon as this stallion, and it was just a little dot in the horizon when, when it first started coming towards us, but he spotted that thing and focused on it, and it kept coming towards us and coming towards us coming towards us and I thought well I better get back so I'm trying to trot 
back towards the RV park and our campground to get as close as I could and away from, you know, this horse that's coming towards us. And uh, he, this horse ended up coming within just a few feet of us. And uh, he was determined that you were not going to horn in on his. I guess not. And so I, you know, I had to really yell and I finally got him to stop. And it did help that I was getting closer back to civilization and where the people were. But some of these horses did actually follow other horses actually into camp. Really? Yeah. Now, do you think that is because they've associated food with other riders in the area and that they'll, you know, they'll come or they're they're curious to see the other horses that are there. Cause they're, of course, some of these horses are stallions or they're mares clearly, but some of our riders horses were stallions and mares. Oh, that does add a a new They're attracted to that aspect of it as well. Besides also being curious and also they live there all the time. We're just visitors. (laughs) What are you doing here? Yeah. So, yeah. So that, and so I wasn't real sure how exciting actual ride day might be when we were going all the way down to the lake and all along the edge of the lake for a while. Um, But as it turned out by that point, I think the novelty wore off and the wild horses weren't quite as interested in us anymore. (laughs) And so I was glad of that because I actually rode Apollo the entire day in his little padded hackamore. His little S hat. Oh, that's great. And, and he did, he's been going good in it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to ride him in his combo bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I went to put it on him and he kind of gave me this look like really. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, okay. You brought, you better be good boy. <laughs> and so <laughs> I dropped the bit and put him in the hackamore. And actually he did really good. He rates, you know, some horses just take to those and do so well. And and he rates really good. The only issue I had at the uh, first couple miles, we have the first ride photographer. And so they want you to spread out a little bit. Oh, that's know, hard to do at the beginning of the ride. Right. <laughs> on, on flat ground, no less, where it's still flat. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm trying to pull him back a little bit so each rider can get a picture with just, you know, them in it and not my horse's nose. Um, And so that's when he starts throwing his nose straight up in the air, (laughs) you know? And and so you're trying to wrestle with that and not let him also take off running at the same time and also not, um, you know, deciding he's going to suddenly look at something and spook. And then of course he does finally realize, Oh, look, there's a photographer over there and and then you and you can see in my ride photos where he suddenly ears up and he's looking and actually the pictures turned out really good you you know (laughs) so that's one of my favorite ride pictures I have um when we came upon the photographer I saw the photographer and Nigel saw the photographer but we said but Nigel said, oh, I can trot past that. His ears were up and his head was straight up in the air. But then about six steps later, he decided he really doesn't need to go past that person. So he <laughs> slammed on the brakes and she exactly took the picture of me kind of dangling off of his neck. Oh, no. It's awesome. Uh-huh. I loved it. I had to buy it. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. So one more quick question before we move on to our endurance tip. Okay. With, with Apollo in particular, because it's it a big part of endurance riding is the horse's rate ability. You don't want to waste a ton of energy trying to keep them at a pace that you want or need at that particular moment right. in the, in the uh-huh. ride. In other words, mm-hmm. you don't want to be fighting with them. But you also have to have a horse who wants to move forward because an endurance horse has to want to move. So with Apollo, have you found his rate ability changes? more with the amount of traffic that he is in and uh, you know the number of other horses how far you are into the ride what what factors play into his rateability it's interesting with him like our last loop was like a seven or eight mile loop and we had a lot of deep sand um, but we tried it almost that whole way so you know he wasn't running out of gas or anything like that he was very slow leaving camp 
on the second loop all by his lonesome, you know, the poor mm -hmm. thing. And then, um, and then the friend I was writing with caught up to us just a little bit after that. And then he perked up, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, so he so, likes to he likes to have company on the trail. He does, especially when he's going away from camp. It, and then, of course, things changed as he makes that turn, and he knows he's starting. Isn't to it head funny back. how they know they know oh, which direction camp is? They sure do. <laughs> they, yeah, they definitely do. So, um, I think they both actually rate really well. The only difference I think that I why I think I really enjoy writing. Jovi better is Jovi's got a really nice fast walk on him. Ah, uh, yes. Whereas if, if you want Apollo to keep up with another horse, you're going to have to trot, you know, continually yeah. at intervals to catch yeah. back up. That And that's tiring. Chicken. Yeah, that's and tiring. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right, right. A good no, fast one, walk is a real goody, good thing it, to have. It is. It is. And the one interesting thing is I've been wearing a heart monitor on me when I've been writing and I, I'm still figuring this out. But for some reason, when I write Apollo, my heart rate is lower. Really interesting. <laughs> than when I write Jovi. And I, I think it's because I don't know, you know, I think I've probably ridden Jovi more miles at this point. But maybe because he's younger and was greener and, and gave me a little more of a challenge, um, I'm more defensive on him. And it's interesting to see how that affects us as writers, even unconsciously, because yeah. I don't feel that I'm aware of it. I don't feel more nervous on him or more like he's going to do something. I mean, Apollo definitely is spookier yeah. and stuff. but. I guess I just feel like, um, you know, for whatever reason, maybe I'm more comfortable at his gate for some reason. Well, that might, that sure. might play into it, too, is the yeah. rhythm of his gates might right. suit your body better than Apollo's does. I know they're they're kind of different sizes and different, different lengths of stride. And, and being comfortable on the horse, hello, you're sitting on it for... You know, hours and, know. hours and hours and hours right. and hours and hours. Right. So that's really important. And speaking of important, we need to hear from our first sponsor of today, uh, Spalding Fly Predators, because Spalding Fly Predators can help your horse feel more comfortable. And when we get back, we're going to get to the endurance tip. Woohoo! If you have one or two horses, or you have 20, 30, or more, fly predators will make the difference between heavy infested fly problem or a no-fly zone. Balding Lab fly predators, catching these flies before they become an issue. Again, you want to go to Spalding Labs online, find out about the fly predators, and don't settle for the fakes. There are other companies out there selling the little waspy guys to help your horses get rid of, or your farm get rid of flies. They're not created equal. Read the fine print. And speaking of fine print, some of the best fine print <laughs> is your endurance tips, and they're always inspired by something that you're doing with your horses. So what have we got this month? Well, having just done a ride where we had heavy, heavy rains predicted and bad weather, which um, I was lucky I got finished. That was one of the benefits of doing the 30 instead of one of the longer distances. We just barely got done in time, but some of the riders did have to encounter some pretty um, good heavy rains and lightning and thunder and wind. And so I came up with this tip and that is to get your horse prepared for handling all the things they might encounter at a ride that does have very serious inclement weather. You're going to need to get your horse used to things like umbrellas, rump rugs, possibly putting raincoats or rain gear on and off from their backs. Um, you're going to need to get them experienced going past things with like people on the ground with rain slickers, umbrellas, putting up like shade tents or regular camping tents that might possibly blow in the wind. I mean, I've been at rides where a tent has literally blown up in the air and gone over my horses. Um, We're not you know, in Kansas anymore. Exactly. And get used <laughs> to like large trash bags flapping or blowing or getting away from their camp area and taking off. Um, get your horse used to like if you're going to pull your map or your vet card out and it's windy and it's flapping. You know, get them used to doing that from their back. 
you know, enlist your family and your friends, um, you know, to practice some of these things, you know, you might need to go out at home when you have wind blowing or some rain or some bad weather and practice some of these things, you know, yeah. And I think it's it's really, really easy. If you're Mm -hmm. a confident rider in that horse spooking and things like that, don't cause you undue anticipatory stress. If you have a horse who is not prone to freaking out, it's easy to bypass these skill sets. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how I know this. Because <laughs> you say, well, you know, my horse isn't spooky. I'm a confident rider. So if it rains, so what? I'm not going to worry about taking taking my map in and out or being comfortable sitting in the saddle while I take a jacket on and off. The key here is just because you can do it doesn't mean you can do it without having a negative impact on your performance. In endurance, that means you need to stay on and you need to stay focused and you mm-hmm. need to not take any extra energy out of the tank of your horse. Right. Let's and, say you're at a horse show and you are doing a Western riding class and you've got some weather to deal with and you need to change your jacket before your class and your horse is jigging all around and fussing. No, he's not dumping you off. Now you're not in danger of getting hurt. But now your horse is in an agitated state of mind. You're right. not going to have a good performance. So practicing that stuff is going to not just help you stay on and safe, but it's going to help guard against those things having a negative impact on your performance. Exactly. And you don't want to be running over the volunteers at the outset. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> because and, your and horse some, is suddenly yeah, going, people, ah! Yeah, like me. My horse is going to run over volunteers regardless. So I know to just stay far away from the volunteers. And be knowing, uh-huh. knowing what these things are. Or I know to say to the volunteer who is kindly trying to help us out, thank you very much. You'll want to step back because there's going to be hooves flying in a moment. Uh-huh. But knowing this in advance is good for everybody. <laughs> sure, it is, right. And, you know, some horses don't even like having a rump rug put on him. So you need to practice that ahead of time. And if it's windy, even um, depending on the type of rump rug you have, sometimes they fly up in the air. Oh, yeah, they fly up and land over your head sometimes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Get one with a tail yes. string, please. Yeah. Right. Or they, some of them have weights on them that help pull them down, but in a heavy wind, they still will blow well, see, around. That, yeah, That's the problem. The ones with the weights, that just means when they get out of whack and they rolled up somewhere or blow sideways, that just means it's that much harder to put them back. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the weights myself. <laughs> exactly. So, so there you go. That's my tip. Get your horse, you know, try to do as much pre- like training of these kinds of little things, like Jen said, um, it's not whether your horse can handle it or not. It's if it can handle it during an event when there's all this other mental stimulation and other things going on. Yeah, exactly. There's it, it, things can go pear shaped in a hurry. And if you, uh, Mary has a name for it and it, it might be a fancy (laughs) name. I don't know, but by practicing things and oh fire drills she calls them fire drills okay practice things with part of the criteria so how do you practice bad weather well you really can't practice bad weather you have to wait till other nature shows up well right. let's say your horse might have an issue with umbrellas well even if the weather's not mad that doesn't bad doesn't that doesn't mean you can't and this is a fun one actually take a sprinkler and turn it on and ride through it Ride through it and have somebody stand there with an umbrella on while right, it sprinkles. Right. Turn the sprinkler yeah. on and off while you ride through it. It's amazing how many horses go, I'm going to die. The water is coming up from the ground. But it's a great rehearsal because then you have some kind of base to say, my horse's reactions are going to be in this realm. You're not going to be utterly surprised when your horse stops and backs up 90 miles an hour because you experienced that during one of your fire drills. The first time you turned the the sprinkler on as you walked past it. So you know, okay, I need to be ready for a horse that does that. The separate issue is, okay, let's, let's help him move away from stopping and going 90 miles an hour backwards. That's a separate Mm -hmm. training issue, but without knowing what their go-to behaviors are, 
you don't know where your training regime needs to go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The week before this, we hauled the horses out. I took both of them out to Washoe and the Boy Scout troops were having a camp out. So you can imagine there's like dozens and dozens of tents. And we were riding through the middle of all of them and they've got a big teepee and then they've got like groups of these little kids. Like it's like classroom size groups of kids and they're all going on hikes every which way and of course we walk by one of the tents and a little kid pops out right Ah! as we go by and you're like you know those are kinds of things you can't really you know you can't train for every little situation that could possibly pop up but just the fact that we had already earlier walked them on foot past all the tents now they were okay with it even though somebody popped out this little kid pops out of this tent they just sort of looked at it and then kept on walking well that's that's the that trigger stacking that we talk about so much nowadays Uh in in training in that you've got the first trigger is the tents or group of tents but now that you've gone past them and the horses took a deep breath and went oh cool that's no longer a trigger so instead of Mm -hmm. walking past and having trigger one tent trigger two kid now you only have one, so they're not stacked up so high. Right. So it's a lot less uh-huh. likely that your horse is going to leap off of the edge of sanity and leave you behind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And speaking of le- leaping off the edge, one of the things we love to do is leap off the edge and give Kristen over at The Distance Depot a call each month and find out what sort of interesting things are going on over there. So let's do that right now. Hey, good morning, Kristen. It's Karen and Jennifer. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. We're doing good. Good. Well, I understand the Distance Depot has some newly designed ice boots. We do. Um, We've sold these ice boots for as long as I can remember. In fact, I used them back when I used to compete um, in competition. And we've had to um, switch up our ice packs, which is not necessarily, it's actually a good thing. Um, we have, uh, bigger packs in them now. So I feel like the distribution of the cold is a little bit better. Um, so it spreads out the cooling evenly and they stay, they actually stay colder longer. We used to just take them. We'd put the pair in a cooler, take it to the ride and come ice, um, ride day. They'd still be ice cold. So they're, they're pretty awesome. They're about, what brand are they? Tell us, tell us, tell us what brand are they? Um, it's our brand. We manufacture them in-house. Oh, you have your very own Distance so, Depot brand. I didn't yeah, know. Easy, easy ice boots. Um, easy Care used to make them back in the day. And um, when we got all of the patterns for the sheepskin and stuff, the ice boots came with it. Um, so we've carried them on. Like I say, these are the um, ice boots that stay colder than any ice boot we've found. Um, we just keep them in their own cooler. Um, like I say, come uh, come ride day, take them out. They have four big Velcro straps that hold them really securely. It's industrial Velcro, so they're super strong. And they cool all the way from, you know, mid-knee, depending on how tall your horse is, <laughs> mid-knee to over the coronary band, which is super awesome. Um, so, oh, I yeah, see. we have them in lots of colors, too. Yeah, they come in about yeah. 14 million different colors. Now, I'm, I looked it up on the, the Distance <laughs> Depot. All I had to do was type in their uh-huh. ice boots, and there they were. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it's not a, a lot of ice icing boots that you buy for horses. There's a boot, and there's a sleeve of little ice packets, and they're two separate things. But right. then that adds an extra layer of material between the ice mm-hmm. and the horse's mm-hmm. legs. These, mm-hmm. it's just one thing so that the ice has only one layer of fabric between the horse and the cold stuff. So that exactly. sounds to me like it's going to be much more efficient. Yeah, they're super efficient. And we actually use um, a special foam in them as well to keep them insulated. There are um, some much cheaper <laughs> options out there, um, copies of this ice boot, but they aren't lined with that foam. And this foam helps, like I say, to keep them colder longer. Um, and uh, they're, they're awesome. Actually, my husband has used it on an ankle when he's, you know, cut down a limb from a tree and fallen off the ladder. I mean, they work on you too. So <laughs> they're pretty awesome. But we do, we have lots of cooling items too. We have a whole page dedicated to cooling horse and rider accessories. So you can visit that page. We've got um, Equicool Down products. They have some leg wraps, hawk wraps, 
neck wraps and blankets. Actually, they have a cold towel for you as well. But those are those don't need refrigeration. They're sort of wet and wave. So I can't say they're as cold as, as our ices, but they work in a pinch and mm-hmm. easy to store as well. So And we have cooling vests and hats. And Easy Care actually has a really cool boot, too. It's called the Remedy. So they have a tall version, which will go all the way up to the hawk. Um, or over the knee, and then they have a shorter boot, um, which is great for poultice and or cooling at a ride. So mm-hmm. kind of dual um, dual use there. But lots of cooling cooling products for you and even powder, and most of your listeners probably know about Body Glide, but that's awesome stuff too. It works for you, helps for chafing, um, you know, and the powders keep you cool in the saddle and and uh, help absorb some of that moisture. <laughs> the the, the uh, powder is a must-have anytime there's an it, overnight competition because absolutely. You, you, you're just sweaty all the time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's funny. My, my, you know, comes on the box and it, when my UPS driver brought it long years ago, he was like, what's this monkey butt stuff? And I could smell him. He would walk in. He would get it from us, you know, and I could smell him when he came in. But he said, I love that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Perfect stuff. So where, where can find, yeah. where can everybody find Kirsten and the Distance Depot online? They can visit us at www.thedistancedepot.com or give us a call toll free 866-863-2349. Perfect. Next up is Aaron Alone Grogan. Aaron recently was a ride manager for the Verda Bare Bones Ride. She's also a rider herself who just participated in a competitive trail ride over the past weekend. So we're looking forward to talking to her about the Bare Bones Ride and the ride she also just did. Um, welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much. Okay, well, tell us what is Verda, V-E-R-D-A, and also the Bare Bones Ride. Tell us about those things. Sure, yeah. So Verda is the Vermont Equine Riding and Driving Association. Um, It's an equestrian club in the Northeast. Um, Mostly our events are based in Vermont, as you might expect with the name. Um, But we, we kind of work on both sides of the Connecticut River, so the Upper Valley region of Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, and it's a club that's been around for a long time, sponsors um, several CTRs and endurance rides throughout um, our short Northeast season. And so the Bare Bones ride was part of um, a weekend over Mother's Day when we had CTR on Saturday and then we had endurance on Sunday. And um, I think, you know, being that early in the season, it can be a challenge to be <laughs> ready to be out there um, that that early in the year mm-hmm. because we are, uh, you know, we're dealing with snow and then mud here in Vermont. But um, yeah, we were we were thrilled with the number of people that came out. Okay, so what were your distances? Yep. So our CTR on Saturday had um, two distances. So we had, uh, let me see, I'm just looking at my notes. We had a 15 mile CTR and a 15 um, competitive distance ride as the introductory distance. And then on Sunday for endurance, we had an intro ride at 15 miles. Then we had a 30 mile LD and then um, a 50 mile endurance option. And, and was that the one where you didn't get any entries for the 50? <laughs> it was, yeah. Oh. Actually, I should. we did get entries. So we had five entries the week leading up to the ride. Um, and then unfortunately, three of our entries um, had to withdraw before actually traveling to New Hampshire for various um, horse-related reasons. And then um, we had one person who um, didn't fully vet through, so she she didn't ride out on Sunday, which left just one person in the 50-mile distance, and she decided she didn't want to do that by herself. So okay. she ended up riding the 30. Yeah, so we didn't have any starters for the 50, unfortunately. So that, that just shows people are having a hard time getting their horses ready this year. Yeah, I think it, so being in mid-May, like I said, it's it's early and, you know, we do in the area where I live, we do have a, a group of people who go, you know, to Florida or South Carolina or Georgia to kind of overwinter and, and ride there. But I think we were the weekend after Biltmore this year. So some of the people who were coming back had ridden at Biltmore, you know, the weekend before. And it that's just a lot to come back from there and right. jump right mm-hmm. in. So. 
Okay, so how was your ride management experience? (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I feel so lucky. So this is my first ever ride management experience, but (laughs) I've been saying I was just one of, uh, you know, an amazing ride management team. So uh, we had two trail masters, uh, Ruth Berlin and Connie Walker, who started this ride years ago, have run it in various combinations over the years. And um, they they really played the role of marking trail, you know, um, communicating with all the landowners, making sure we were where we were supposed to be and allowed to be there. So that was hugely helpful. Um, and then the CTR ride manager, Sierra Horseman, was also new to that job. So she and I really were able to do this together as <laughs> two newbies, you know, managing a weekend for the first time. Um, and then the whole club, um, the leadership of the club, uh, you know, amazing volunteers who tend to show up at all of the Northeast and New England rides. So we just felt so lucky that for our first time doing this, we had a huge team um, that were (laughs) were there to make sure it was successful. Yeah. Good. And how big was your turnout overall? Yeah. So we had um, about 25, 30 riders each day. Um, Some people rode both Saturday and Sunday, um, some on the same horse, some brought two horses, one for each day. So yeah, I would say about 30 each day. Okay. Now, are you going to do this again? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, oh, good. We've had Congratulations. one brief meeting. <laughs> yeah. No, thank okay. you. Okay. I mean, I think we we have some thoughts on what we might do differently next year, but I'm sure everybody does. And and like I said, having the club behind us to really make it happen, and it's located at an amazing fairgrounds where the fairgrounds staff is hugely helpful too. So, it, it as a first experience, I think it was you know, a gentle introduction. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for doing that, volunteering yeah. and doing all that. I know it's a lot of work. Um, <laughs> right. so, I, so I know you also did a competitive trail ride over this past weekend. Tell us about I that. Did. Yeah, so we actually have a AARC Green Bean team um, made up all of HRN auditors. And so <laughs> we would love any auditors who want to follow us, you can join the HRN That Girl Trail Team Facebook page, and we post about our rides there. So this year we have five of us. Um, I think all of us are in the Northeast region. Um, and even though it was CTR, not endurance, you know, you can get bonus points through the Green Bean program for doing it. So I was able to meet up with fellow auditor Kayla Perry at Green Mountain Horse Association in Vermont. And Um, On Saturday, we took our two Morgan mares out for a 15-mile CDR, and uh, yeah, we just wanted to see how they would do. It was their first formal competitive ride this year. Um, Green Mountain Horse Association has also been doing some starter um, endurance distance riding clinics, so I did one of those in May, but this was the first, you know, sort of timed competitive event that I did with my mare. Okay, and how did that go? It went great. Um, We completed in three hours and 10 minutes, which was kind of pushing (laughs) the time that we had available to us. But about 10 minutes, or I'm sorry, 10 miles into the ride, we got hit with just torrential downpours that were not expected. (laughs) So that kind of slowed us down. Oh, no, it wasn't wasn't expected. So you weren't really prepared. Oh, no. Yeah, we had no gear, no rain gear, uh, very squishy seat savers as we trotted those last 10 miles in, but we made it. Oh no! <laughs> so, well, so the what? Twenty-five mile riders actually had hail on their route, so we oh, missed the they? hail. So we felt pretty lucky. <laughs> oh, good! Oh my gosh, that sounds almost like the ride I was at, where the rain came later, and not everybody got caught in it. But when it came down, it really did come yes. down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh gosh! Now, was there any thunder or lightning with the storm? Just no, rain. fortunately there wasn't. I'm, oh, I'm pretty wimpy about that sort of thing. So I, <laughs> the sky got really dark and I was a little nervous and we were just out in the open on a dirt road. So that was a little bit scary, but no, fortunately just very soaking rain. Okay. So do you have any tips for riders <laughs> for, be, <laughs> for getting prepared if they do get a sudden rainstorm? I mean, we we had a moment of, should we kind of pull over and just hide out under some trees? Because the trail was a combination of, you know, really nice trail through the woods and then a lot of dirt road. Um, But I think we, at that point, we just wanted to continue on. We really wanted to complete in the time allowed. So um, our, you know, it it did turn some of the trail a bit slippery in the woods. Um, So, you know, that, that slowed us down for sure. We 
we were walking all the downhills anyway. And so we stuck with that and really just, you know, made sure we were being really careful that we weren't, um, you know, losing our balance and slipping down the, the slippery, mm-hmm. rocky parts of the downhill. But, you know, I, this may uh, encourage me to put a poncho or something behind my saddle. <laughs> <in the future. laughs> or at least a, I think, a trash bag. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I think the footing, the footing was what we were most concerned about. We were soaked through within, you know, the first couple of minutes. So we kind of got over that and just made sure we were safe getting back. Oh, okay. Okay. No, what was the temperature like? It was probably in the 50s. So yeah, it was a cold rain. It's the, the poor horses had their ears pinned back and were kind of grimacing as it was hitting them in the face. So we felt bad for them. But but they persevered, you know, they, they kept trucking along, um, like oh, a, a Morgan does, right? They're kind of used right. to that weather here. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So on the competitive trail ride, um, describe how that works. Sure. Yep. So the 15 mile distance is sort of the same as an intro ride for AERC endurance. Um, I, I have found, and I think this is accurate. The biggest difference is really how you vet in and out of the ride. So um, the vetting process for a competitive trail ride is it's just a little different because your horse is receiving scores for gait and attitude, um, various aspects of their metabolic condition and their body score. So you're you're getting almost like a report card for your horse, which also includes a trot out and trotting in a couple of circles and, and trotting back to the vet. So we use the um, extra rules here in our area, Eastern Competitive Trail Ride Association. I think that it's a little different in other parts of the country, but uh, we don't have, you know, any judged obstacles or anything like that here, which I think other regions do. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we, the, the target pace for competing um, for completing a competitive trail ride is around six miles an hour. So it, it actually has you move along a little bit faster than a target pace for endurance rides in our area. Okay. Okay. And are there many of those in your region? Yeah, it is pretty popular. Um, A lot of venues will host a weekend like the ride that I manage where there might be competitive trail on one day and then endurance on the next day or, you know, even just standalone competitive trail rides. So uh, Extra as an organization is is pretty popular here and there are a lot of rides um, sanctioned by that group. Okay, good. What's your next ride planned? Um, so I'm going to do another starter distance clinic at Green Mountain Horse Association in July. Uh, and then I will probably and, meet back up with. Where's that one at? Yep. So that Green Mountain Horse Association is in South Woodstock, Vermont, um, and has, you know, a long history of, of distance riding. Um, there's a, a three-day 100-mile ride there later in September um, and, you know, all the distances in between <laughs> 10 miles oh, good. and 100 okay. miles. Yep. Okay. And so yep. um, l- let's just tell everybody again about the That Girl team and how would uh, somebody <laughs> go about joining you guys? Yeah. So if you are an auditor, you can find us on Facebook. Um, so it's called HRN That Girl Trail Team. And like I said, there are five of us who are formally signed up through the AERC Green Bean program, but we probably have 20 or 30 people in the group who like to trail ride, pleasure ride, and some who are competitive riders that just had too many miles to be on the green bean team. So we just love talking about trail riding and our horses and and welcome everybody to join us. Okay, great. Well, thanks for joining us this morning and congratulations on your ride completion. As horse owners, we spend a lot of time on the road. Let U.S. Rider help keep you covered. Our equestrian motor plan offers fast, reliable, nationwide service from our highly trained roadside assistance team. 24-7 coverage for both you and your horse. Membership includes horse trailer servicing, towing, flat tire repair, even on dual wheels, battery assistance, and lockout service on any vehicle in your plan. We also have your equine companions covered with referrals for emergency vet services, barrier referrals, and emergency stabling assistance. Get peace of mind on the road for you and your horse. Join U.S. Rider today. Another fun guest. I love it when the auditors get together and do cool stuff. 
Me too. <laughs> nice to hear what? from them. It's nice to know that there's a group of them out there writing and participating. Yeah, just having a good time mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah there's no judgment zone. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and no judgment zone. Ah, oh, that leads us into our next topic. Uh oh. <laughs> now what's going on? There's always Another drama. News. <laughs> it's always drama. Right. So in other news, the Middle East, there's been more sanctions. Mm. Apparently, I know they keep it just keeps happening. I don't Guys, get come it. on. I know. Right. Crack. But congratulations to Team France. They have now <laughs> been crowned FBI Endurance World Champions for 2022. After a tribunal decision, the Federation says in a statement The FBI said the case involved a banned substance and the horse Herod Durances, written by Bahrain's, um, and I won't try to pronounce it, the last name was Al-Zayed, were tested positive for an illegal drug. And so they were disqualified and hit with a fine and an 18-month ban. So for an 18-month ban, that just means that country is not allowed to compete in FEI endurance for 18 months. Is that how it I works? Don't, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think it's the country. It's just, they, the, oh, it's just the rider. Oh, okay. It's, I okay. It's just, I think it's just the rider. Okay. Um, it, it may that works different than the Olympic one because they tend to, with the Olympic ones, they tend to just throw it at the whole country okay. and the FEI just the rider. Okay. That okay. makes sense. So this also changed the team rankings as well and so that moved you know france into the team first place gold and portugal took silver and italy stepped into the bronze position and you know it's kind of sad it takes away all their thunder you know for getting you know gold silver and bronze at the time for all these teams that worked so hard yeah and did it honestly yeah and the if i remember right the FEI Endurance World Championships in 2022 very nearly didn't happen because they lost their venue, didn't they? Right. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that that went on there, and um, you know, and it's tough in our country because we're not really all that supportive of of our own riders that want to compete at the international level, and so. Right. You know, there was that separation thing that went on between AERC and USEF a few years back. And um, so we kind of left some of our writers, I, you know, hate to say it, kind of high and dry. We're not yeah. really all that supportive of them. And it's kind of kind of a shame. But also, on the other hand, it's also hard to want to support, you know, the sport competition that's having those kinds of issues, yeah. Where yeah. the sport has these kinds of issues with the continual positive drug tests. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is how disconnected I am from the universe. Um, did the United States field a team for the championships in 2022? We did, and I'm trying to, you know, we had some of them on as guests. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, a couple of the Ben sisters, and I think we had. Was it Cheryl Van Dusen finished? Yeah, I, hate, I think so. Um, I, I apologize so. if I have this wrong, you guys. Um, but I think we had one writer finish, and um, you know, it, it just didn't go great for the U.S. team. But you, you know, they got there, and well, they put out a lot of work and battle. effort. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So another question popped into my head just now, and now it's gone. Oh, have, do you do you know if the world championships have ever been held in the United States? Well, yeah, you went to one. Oh, was the twenty ten World Games the championships, or was the well, way? It, uh, okay, no, now was, it's all making sense. So it's okay. this is the same competition that would normally have happened during a World Equestrian Games. There you go. Oh, ding, 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 ding! The light bulb finally came hey, on. Yes, because you were there. <laughs> I was there um, twice. I yeah, was there for, there for, for Kentucky and for Tryon. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, we talk about, we talk and talk and talk. And then, you, you know, it, it's like, does it register? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, well, how they, can you possibly remember all of your guests and all of your topics <laughs> when you've been doing this for years, right? Well, and for me, the World Equestrian Games was the World Equestrian Games. When, in fact, the World Equestrian Games was just an effort 
by some subset of organizers to take all the different discipline world championships and plop them all together in one place. Right. And I always forget that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and and, by the way, if anybody's listening, I still want you to keep doing it. Hello. It's just not the same. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get the world equestrian games back in their original form all together at one time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll step off my soapbox now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, more drama. Well, you know, we're going to have more drama and then we're going to have more guests. So why don't we see if we can't get Barrett on the line? We may not be able to get her because she's, currently is going through an airport right now. Uh, She had some travel delays. But what I want to talk about, if we are able to get Barrett, her name is Barrett Meyer, and she just recently achieved a huge accomplishment in the sport of endurance. Her horse, Tazona Moon, and, and Barrett together have achieved riding 20 ride seasons, making them a double decade team. And she has completed 11,000 miles since 1985, and Barrett and Tazona have nearly 5,000 miles. And so I just want to kind of mention a little bit about what the decade team is. And that's when uh, AARC recognizes equines and rider teams who completed at least one 50-mile endurance ride each year for 10 years. It does not have to be consecutive years. And the writer also needs to be an AARC member. And so since we began doing the decade teams, it was an idea that I originally came up with and worked on it myself for the first decade or so before the AARC adopted it. It became very popular with the writers because it's a huge goal to have. It it puts your focus on longevity, which is a really important goal at least it always felt that way for me and that's how I came up with the idea was um for a lot of us we're not so competitive that we want to be winning and top tinning all the time because we realized if we rode more conservatively or occasionally won because not everybody's a super competitive what other goals could we have for our horses and for us Well, longevity is one of those goals. And, you know, that's not to say that people that aren't competitive can't also have those goals to ride faster and be more competitive and also um, reach for uh, longevity type goals as well. But a lot of people are more content um, to achieve the longevity type stuff and to go for a decade team goal, which is um, a really kind of neat thing now you hear all the writers saying you know my horse is a decade team or I only have another couple years to go to reach decade team so it has become something that be that means a lot to people and there's only been five people that have achieved double decade team status and 20 years is a you know, an awfully long career for a horse in any horse discipline. In any sport, yeah. <laughs> right. But to be competing at the 50-mile level for 20 years is a huge accomplishment. And I, I came close with Chief. I I mean, I rode him for over 20 years, um, but I think I only had 50s on him for 18. So, you know, we we still came pretty close. And then I have a total of four decade team horses all together. And, you know, it's the nice thing with having a decade team horse is, you know, once you have your horse going for that many years, you know, you're really out there having a good time. You you know, you learn the horse, the horse learns everything. Um, You know, you're just going, you're enjoying it and having a great time. And so there's, there's a lot of reward in riding the same horse for many, many years. And that's an in, that's interesting because endurance being the sport of literally endurance to create that where where the rider and the horse to get the rider is going to look at the long term win. In other words, he's not looking at winning each individual ride. He's looking at winning over a course of years and years and years, which is very interesting because if you're a, a if you're a rider who is not going to be 
finishing in the top five, the top 10, either because of necessity or that's just your choice. That's an amazing goal to reach. And it, yeah, like you mm-hmm. said, it's, it would be, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who competes like that for that long in any discipline. Right, right. And yeah. the motto for AARC is to finish is to win. Right. You know, no, people I, have, are, I have a ribbon with that because yeah. I finished. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jennifer. And that's why people want their Tevis buckle. They don't care where they finish. They just want that buckle. They and, just yeah, want a completion. It, yeah. And it doesn't sound like much. Oh, all you did was get on your horse and ride mile X, Y, or Z. No, it's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> right. Exactly. And this gets people to focus on a long-term goal, not just how you're going to ride and manage your horse that particular day, mm-hmm. but maybe for that particular month or year or however many ride seasons, you need to learn how to focus and and keep true to your goals. So if you know Matt, that your horse is going to do good, if you manage him a certain way, it's going to keep you from going out and flubbing it up. And because it's so easy to get caught up out there when you're competing and possibly go too fast or go too fast in the wrong terrain, you know, that, you know, your horse may not um, be as proficient in. And so it, you, you know, it really, I think it helped me always to have a longer term focus and goal on what I wanted for my horses long term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let's give Barrett a try and see if we can't track her down. Well, it turns out we weren't able to get Barrett on the line, which is okay. We're going to ask her to come on a future show. You know, but you know, when you think about it, she started riding this horse when she's like 45 years old and now she's 65. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about it. But then also now you're 65 and you know you're going to have to start another horse. (laughs) Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros. Exclusive interviews and lectures, slow motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horsemen On Demand. So fascinating chats as usual, and we always wrap the show up with what's coming up, upcoming events wise. And it looks like there's some really interesting things going on here. Right. You know, there are some new rides, which we really need greatly in the sport, especially this season. We've had so many ride cancellations for different reasons and different regions. So there's a new ride in Northern California. And right now they only have 12 entries and they need 30 to hold the ride. And it's oh, yeah. And Northern California has been hit hard by crazy weird weather and stuff. So, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, and there's been some cancellations of stuff and <clears throat> things are kind of, you know, it, we need to get the riders out there riding and supporting the rides. And this is a neat ride. It's called the Buck Mountain Boogie. And what's neat about it is it takes place in the Six Rivers National Forest. And they're uh, camping on a river with riding trails all around it. But what's neat about it is it's a multi-type event endurance competition. So while there are endurance rides, a 25 and a 50 on July 8th and 9th, there's also an equathon on Saturday and a ride and tie on Sunday. So remind everybody what an equathon and what a ride and tie are. Okay, a ride and tie is when you have two riders and one horse, and they <clears throat> take turns riding and running and tying the horse to a tree. Like one will ride ahead on the horse a little faster, maybe stop and get off and tie the horse up. While the second person is running from behind, they catch up, grab the horse, hop on, and then they leapfrog through the course. Now, I'm, I've always been curious about this because I've never attended a ride and tie, even though they do have them right here in Ocala. Mm-hmm. It, are there designated places where the rider gets off and ties the horse? 
It is it official? Depends. You you know, no. all horses stop here. Nope, nothing official. And then you know, you also you know, the riders need to um, know how to tie the horse so the horse can't get loose. But they also need to make sure they they don't uh, run past their horse and miss it because that has oh happened. <laughs> so 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 there's it's not a designated rider on board rides four miles and then no. gets off. It's just the team has to work that out. So they have to have a strategy. Exactly. Ah. Because one might be a stronger rider than the other. Or I want to do a ride runner. in time where I do all the riding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's been done. You can do something like that. And, um, and then with the Equithon, it's a new kind of sport and it's catching on. A lot of rides have been adding it. So it, uh, this is how it works. So it's kind of like a ride and tie, but the rider never has to get off the horse. So the horse and rider do the first loop. Then when the horse reaches pulse criteria at the vet check, the runner then tackles the second loop. And oh. yeah. And then it's a cumulative time. Right. They do a little bit like they do something a little bit like that here in Ocala every year. It's hugely popular where yeah. They add a third loop, which is a bicyclist. Oh, wow. So the rider rides Mm -hmm. their loop, the runner runs their loop, and the bicyclist runs their loop. And it's a cumulative time. And then obviously they use the veterinary criteria for the horse aspect of it, and that feeds into it. And every year it gets more and more popular. It's like a giant party. And this just does it Uh with just the the runner and the equestrian. Interesting. Right. And it's just the ride part is usually about 10 to 15 miles, while the run portion is usually about 5 to 15 miles. See, I now, would want the run portion. To yeah. Be now, here, here, here they set the bar because the whole point is to get community participation and give the opportunity for the different riding, equestrian, bicycle, and running communities to get together because we have so many trails that are either shared or intersect. Mm-hmm. So the ride portion they keep to just five miles, so that literally anybody who can stay on a horse can do it, because that's the whole point. And then I think the foot traffic part I think is somewhere around five miles. And then the bicycle I think is closer to the ten mile range because those guys okay. just laugh if you say five miles. <laughs> I know they do. How neat oh. Equathon. We'll have to have somebody on who does Equathon sometime. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. And then the Pacific South region has a new ride coming up October 7th. It's a 25 and a 50, and it's called Gateway to the Canyons in Redlands, California. So check that out. You can find more info on AERC rides throughout the country by going to aerc.org and clicking on the ride calendar. There you go. And if you don't have a lot of AERC rides in your neck of the woods, you can either A, be one of those people who get helps get them done or because you live somewhere where you don't have the open spaces to do it. There are offshoots of endurance riding that have various and sundry rules. Like Aaron said, like the CTRs that she does and they all cater to different needs in an area of the country. So don't think that trail sports are not for you because of where you live or how you ride, look into it, type in endurance riding, Type in competitive trail riding into your favorite um, search engine and you will mm-hmm. find all kinds of different ones. And if there's a particular offshoot of endurance riding that you would love to hear about on the show, drop me an email, Jennifer at com, and we'll see if we can't find somebody who knows a lot about it and talk about it. Exactly. And for example, <clears throat> the Nevada All-State Trail Riders, the NASTAR Club, the ride that we just did over the weekend it had the intro, a 30, a 50, a 75, but we had 26 riders in the intro ride. Wow. And That's awesome. Yeah. So hopefully some of them are going to move up, but a lot of them were just having a blast. They were having a great time. They got out there. They got to do a marked loop. They got to vet their horses. They got a ride award. They got a meal from the taco truck. And they just <laughs> had a blast. They got to I love that they had a taco truck. Yeah. I love a taco truck. Yeah. I wish exactly. more I wish more rides had taco trucks because a a common theme at endurance rides are things like lasagna and spaghetti. Uh-huh. Which I which I love but can't have. So taco trucks, yes. 
<laughs> yes, I know. Exactly. So, you know, like I did the 30, there were only six writers in the 30, but we had 26 in the intro. That's great. Well, you know, you've got to start you're at the bottom and work your way up. And right. if, if you're not, if you're not filling the intro and limited distance rides, you're never going to fill the ones above it. Right. Cause you all have to start there. It's just like any other discipline. If you're not filling the junior ranks, the amateur ranks, the walk trot ranks, right. the amoeba and, ranks, it's never gonna some people going to. People are starting new horses or they want to ride with the friend that's new, or maybe they're just getting older and that's all they're comfortable doing. Right, right. For me, a 20-mile ride is a lot. It's it's about all my knees can handle. But right, by golly, right. mm-hmm. you know, you go out and do it and have a great time. There's no shame in it. Yes. And you get yeah. to see everybody and you yeah, you get food, a marked trail, you get the vet to check your horse for you. You get to go I out mean, and run fast on the trail. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the best part for me. Just go you're you're clear to go as fast as you want on that trail and nobody is going to give you the stink eye. or as slow as you want (laughs) or as slow as you want if you're a turtler Mm -hmm. yeah and Mm -hmm. turtlers are a well-respected subgroup of endurance riders so more power to you absolutely well yeah well we'll be back again tomorrow with more horses in the morning and we'll see you again next month karen all right sounds good everybody be safe out there